Welcome, everyone, to this special episode of PodPass, where we are joining you on Election Day 2018 on this windy, crazy, rainy day here. Mm. Yeah. The Tuesday after the first Monday in November. By law. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Great day. Uh, We are mainly here to talk about the Electoral College today, Mm -hmm. kind of a very interesting American thing. Yes. Some love it, some hate it. Yeah. I think... It comes from a question that as we teach American history that we always get from our kids is, and that is, does your vote really count? And the answer is, of course it does. It just counts in a, probably not the way you think it in does. In a different way than you imagined sort it did. Sort of roundabout. Your vote matters in the way that your electors will vote. So right. every... It, s- oh. Go, no, but... We should say that Electoral College is unique to the president. So yes, uh, on a day like this where it's a midterm, it's a direct vote. No EC. Yes. Just every four years to, to decide the, uh, the president and, and I guess, essentially vice president. Mm-hmm. So who are you really voting for on those presidential election days? And you are voting for the vote of your elector. So in every state, there is a small number of people in some states, a large number of people in others. Um, what is it, 538 people across mm-hmm. the United States of America that are chosen to be electors. And in each state, it's based off of um, the number of representatives that that state has in, oh. in um, Congress. Right, plus senators. Yes, plus senators. So if I lived in Wyoming, I'd have three electors. <laughs> I'd, I'd three have three electors. electors. You know, one one senator, mm-hmm. two representatives. So it's simple math. Yep. You always it's whatever your representatives plus your senators. Yep. But you know, if we look at a map then of how this 538 is split up across the country, um, some things will become really obvious to us that there are states that have a ton of electors. California. California. Florida, even states like Ohio have a large number of electors, and then you've got like the Wyomings of the country. Or the Delawares. The Delawares that have next to nothing. So you either have a state that's got like very few votes, and in that case, maybe very little ability to impact an election, or you have a state that could really change the course of an election, and if that state's a swing state, um, meaning that they, you know, are pretty evenly divided between Republicans and Democrats, those states get a lot of attention every right. four years. Doesn't that make you feel bad for the Delawares that don't get as much attention? Yeah, I mean, they don't, They don't. certainly candidates don't go there as much. Like we're just passing through on our way to Ohio. But, but you know, uh, living in a swing state, I could certainly do with less political ads and commercials. Uh, oh my and God. so. But I like sometimes thinking like, yeah, you win me over. You tell me why I should vote for you. Yeah, you feel important for a couple months. Hear your uh, state's name in the news. And, and really the attention could be based not only just on electors, but the fact that a lot of states kind of are predetermined as far as politically how they lean. So like you said, Ohio's a big swing state. Florida can be. Michigan can mm-hmm. be. But then there are states like California, the biggest electoral state where presidents pre- or candidates don't spend much time because – 
California is going to vote Democrat, Democrat and Texas exactly. is going to vote Republican. Republican. And so uh, candidates really narrow their time down to spending a lot depending on where the Electoral College yep. can swing. Yep. So let me let me ask you this. It seems like this bizarre system. Why, why do we have it? What's the motivation for well, this? If I gave you the most practical answer, it, frame, it goes back to our framers of the Constitution not really believing in direct democracy. So a lot of those who are creating our Constitution are well-educated, wealthy landowners, many slave owners. And these gentlemen, despite you know, having kind of a prestigious spot in American history, as you know, for some reason they should, uh, just simply didn't trust the American people to directly elect a leader. I'm going to pull a quote from Alexander Hamilton here. Um, Hamilton, when speaking about writing the Constitution, uh, said that the office of president will never fall to the lot of any man who is not in an eminent degree endowed with the requisite qualifications, and that the Electoral College is to preserve the sense of the people while at the same time ensuring that a president is chosen by men most capable of analyzing the qualities adapted to the station and acting under circumstances favorable to deliberation. So what what um, what Hamilton is kind of nicely saying here is we'd like the people to, who are voting to be educated. This way we know that um, the person that's going to be president is qualified. However, um, you can't ensure that everybody voting is educated or yeah. the person you want to be voting. And so the way around that is is selecting electors yeah. who are. <laughs> Should be qualified. So here's the thing. While, while anybody could be an elector, like maybe there's some little girl out there that's thinking, well, someday I want to vote for the president, like actually cast a vote. Anybody could be an elector, but really not anybody can be an elector. So these people are chosen first by their political parties. They're usually like super politically mm. involved and active in the state. Donating um, money. Donating money. Not yep. necessarily politicians themselves, but it's like, I'm never going to be an elector. I love politics, but it's not in the cards for me. This yeah. makes me so depressed. How come? Just because, like, it sounds like only really, like, very wealthy people actually have a say. So I'm basically voting to make some rich dude vote well, how he, I want him to vote. So, but elect Sell it to me. Electors, <laughs> electors are still beholden to the direct vote of your state. So mm -hmm. when a student asks... You know, then what does my vote matter? Because you know, the the I think the thought is that it's just a popular vote, and the person who wins the popular vote wins. And when you say that's not the case, that diminishes the dreams of many young people. But no, you are still voting for your state. You're 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 an Ohioan on an election mm -hmm. day, and or, or you're a uh, Wyoming, <laughs> Delawarean. Right. You're you're something, and so. Electors tend not to uh, almost never sway from what the state <laughs> what the state That's wants. Uh, and so um, if Ohio one year says we want Obama, that's what the popular vote has dictated. Your vote then has mattered if you voted for Barack Obama. Or, like last time around, if Ohioans say we want Donald Trump, 
then the elector the electoral college will vote for Donald Trump based on that vote. So you have to stop thinking of it at a, in a national sense and think of it as a proud whatever state you're from sense. You know, I, it's totally not cool, but I loved, I remember in college, loving learning about unfaithful electors. Mm, Those people, the rebels, the rebels they sounds... go rogue, and they ignore what the popular vote in their state says, and they just go, I'm going to vote for who I want to vote for. What happens to them? They're Do they get in like electoral? They're blacklisted. They won't be so the thing is, is that that vote, like that vote is still legit it's mm. i mean they can try and do that but um but yeah they're they we never hear from them it's, again yes <laughs> it's very uncomfortable too cuz you can actually watch some of these ali- um the electoral college actually votes a month or so after the election is when they'll actually cast their official electoral vote for their state and you, you can see some of these they film them and it, it would be a very <laughs> uncomfortable thing to do because you are in a room with mm-hmm. other people uh, people watching where you would have to kind of go out on a limb and don't you think that anxiety though that tension is so real especially after a super controversial election mm. that it's like are they really all going to vote for who they should be voting for what happens right if now? they didn't vote? well it would only matter of course if the electoral college was really close which we've had elections like that yeah. but yeah. um n- no no rebel electors <laughs> in those elections that's a great band name rebel let's do it uh, <laughs> that will be a later podcast if, if people Our historical bands <laughs> if people want to know uh the elections in american history where someone has won the popular vote because generally listen generally if you win the popular vote you do win the election um so it does tend to go hand in hand, but there's been a couple unique times where the person's won the popular vote but has lost the election. Uh, a couple of those times was in 1824 uh, where Andrew Jackson wins the popular vote, but uh, <laughs> it, you know a whole lot of corrupt dealings land John Quincy Adams in the office. Uh, the next time it happens is in 1876 when Samuel Tilden wins the popular vote, but again because of some negotiations with the South and the North after the Civil War, Rutherford B. Hayes is made president. What a dream boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 1888, uh, incumbent president Grover Cleveland had technically won the popular vote, but um, Benjamin Harrison won the electoral vote. So Benjamin Harrison will become president even though in four years we'll get on Cleveland back. Uh, and then most recently in history in 2000, of course, uh, Al Gore wins the popular vote, but there's those hanging chads in Florida. Yeah. They, Can they ex- can't quite count the votes quite right. Can we explain? Okay, so the, the hanging chad thing is that in some states you vote electronically, some you use a pencil, pen, some, but some you have to poke this little hole. And if you don't poke it all the way through, you have this little, like, dangling flappy do <laughs> hanging there. So some people didn't push hard enough, and they couldn't quite count those votes in one way or another because you're, you're Chad, you're Dangler. It's kind of like if you ever go into the carnival and you have to do that thing where you shoot the star mm-hmm. with, the, with the BB yes, gun. Yes. You have to shoot all of it out, but if there's any sort of, like, red from the star still remaining, you don't get the prize. That was kind of like the... The hanging chad incident, but it was like a huge deal. Florida, I think, is still reeling from dangling chads. So they can't count those. They do uh, have a recount, and it's like, no, these. Nope. Yeah, that could be our so opening band. Al Gore, hanging chads. Dem- Al Gore chads. demanded a recount. <laughs> but, uh, overall, you know, eventually it ended up George W. won, uh, but I think it did mark the death of 
um, paper ballots. Yes. So, you know, if you were, if, if you're listening, you're not old enough to vote, when you go to vote, most likely you're going to be voting on a digital, uh, or, well, you'll do it on a piece of paper and then you'll scan it digitally. It <laughs> That's right. Um, and then the last, and so I should say Al Gore won by half, he had half a million more votes, but again, lost by five electoral votes. Ooh. And then, then last time it happened was, That's um, close. Of course, this last election where Hillary wins the popular vote by about three million, but uh, Trump wins the states he needs to win in order to win the electoral vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just doesn't always. Now, in any of those situations, if a if rogue electoral voters would have, what if like the whole state went rogue a month oh. afterwards? It would depend on the state. It would right? have to be like a really crazy. Yeah concoction of circumstances the most influential states are generally not swing states Mm -hmm. in the sense that like california is a very heavily democratic state and so they democrat wins and the electorals are usually sympathetic to democrats and so you wouldn't see california flip or texas Mm -hmm. flip um but you'd have to keep your eye on those rascally states like wisconsin michigan Mm -hmm. ohio Mm -hmm. pennsylvania um it's interesting i mean what do you guys think of the electoral college do you like it um, do you think are you no. are you a fan of the idea that someone <laughs> could, you know, Al Gore got half a million more votes but lost? Does that make sense? No, that really it no it rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> it rubs. I understand the reason for it. I could, I guess, I could make a case for it if I have to. But no, I just I feel like if you're counting up the popular vote, the popular vote is what should just, you know, decide be the deciding factor. And I think that, you know, people talk about small states and large states having more power or less power, and it's like, I don't know, just just count each individual person's vote as one vote. Absolutely. I think I am one of those little girls that got crushed when I found out that my vote didn't really go exactly how it is. Because, like, let's put it this way. Let's say that you do vote for who you want, but then your state votes the opposite. How frustrating is that? It does make you feel like your vote doesn't count. But that's like that's a... Um you Despite know, you have a 50% chance of losing no matter what. Even if it was a popular vote, you know, you have a 50% chance pretty much of losing. But maybe it's the nerd in me that really just likes knowing that on those little numbers that come out, I'm one of those numbers. Even if I lost, I feel like mm-hmm. I lost with honor. It's like looking at you everybody still, collectively. Yeah, you still counted state me. by state, yeah. maybe. What about you? Uh, I... I dislike it mainly for why the founders did it, which was a distrust of the American people. Um, to me, that's a good way to it's, put it. It's an antiquated. It's an. I actually understand their fear that most people were illiterate and uneducated during their time, and so if you're creating a government, do you want those people dictating how the election might turn out? So I think it's an old thought process, but no. Generally, I'm with you guys. The electoral college is outdated. Uh, you can, I think, just po- poll the American people and go with the popular vote. I feel like it overcomplicates it. Like, who do you people want? Vote. But I like your point when you said that it was the fear of, when the framers of the Constitution originally came out with it, that it's the fear that uneducated people were vote. Do you really feel that we're super-duper educated? Like, how does one become a good educated voter? I, I can't tell you all the times I've heard people like, I voted with them because they had a cool name or their political ad was awesome or that's what my parents are voting for and that's what I'm voting for so that's super common and yeah I mean I think a lot of people also just vote along party lines Mm -hmm. and um, actually that 
if if we could jump ahead, I'm looking at our yeah, list no. of things to talk about. But sort of, I have I have a voting confession, and I think the only person that knows this really is my spouse. So this is kind of a big deal. I'm like Ooh. going public. So. In college, I my, my parents were very politically involved, but they didn't talk about their political parties. Turns out we were a house divided, um, <laughs> so that was interesting. But I wanted to be a political science major, and but I was really uninformed. I just think that I liked the topic, but didn't really know much about politics. And uh, I went to college in a year, and there was a big presidential election. And actually, when I was applying for scholarships, there was like an essay, and it was like, talk to us about the two candidates and their political platforms. And I literally couldn't even spell one of their last names. And I sat in this room (laughs) for forever, and I was like, I have nothing to write because I don't know anything about their parties or what they stand for. And that's what I wrote, and I turned in this paper, and I was like so horrified and embarrassed and ashamed and it said I know that I'm applying to your school and have declared I want to be a political science major but I cannot answer this essay so I will not waste your time lying and I turned it in and I walked out of the room and I didn't go to that college (laughs) Um, but the election came around and I was still like just so and and I didn't really better myself and I didn't vote the first time that I could have voted I didn't vote I had just turned 18 right at the cutoff I could have done it and I was like I don't deserve to do that that was like your your self-punishment yes and um even though I had made substantial efforts to learn uh, to become a more informed citizen but I was just like I am the worst person to vote I don't I don't deserve to do this and then I I changed my ways entirely and kind of became the polar opposite and hyper politically involved and and felt like I was well educated and well versed and committed to service and voting and um yeah it propelled you though it did it did but I guess you know if you're listening out there and you're like I don't really know a lot about politics like it matters but I just can't figure it out or whatever like yeah you can it's called Google people (laughs) now it's called Google back then it's so much easier now you can just type in a person's name and be like what are you all about search Mm -hmm. the issue search the person it's Mm -hmm. easy yeah um what makes you pick one candidate over another uh, so students always love to ask mm-hmm. whether I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican, and I always give them the same answer, which is I am for good ideas. Mm-hmm. And so I am um, for the person that I generally believe is telling me the truth. That can be a very hard thing to do in the political climate where everybody claims they're telling you the truth and there's a lot of bias. Um, but I, I, I spend a lot of time just listening, watching how the person conducts themselves, um, and of course, I have just my own set of morals, mm-hmm. which every, everybody does, uh, and I, I tend to go. But I've always been a very, very politically active person, and if you're out there and you feel that, pursue that. Uh, in high school, I would make my own political shirts of oh. candidates that I liked. I mean, I would just buy a white shirt, and I would write a marker <laughs> on the shirt who I supported or a quote from the person. Um, and I remember my first time voting. It was a primary um, election, meaning I was voting for the person who we were just considering to be part of that party, uh, the candidate of that party. So um, I would just, if you feel like voting is not a useful thing, I would discourage you away from that. Whether it's an electoral college, you are still voting towards something. If it's a midterm election, you are the, you are a perhaps the direct result of an election of an official who then uh, gets to determine laws and uh, perhaps the way things work out for you. What about you, Inez? What makes you vote for one particular person or another? Um, I think it's just 
pretty much exactly what you just articulated. I feel like I like whoever has the best ideas in my opinion. And, um, you know, I don't think that I'm really beholden to any one political party. And I'm also Mm -hmm. open to the the um, reality that my world views and opinions can change over time based on my life experiences. And so, um, yeah, that's what. No, I think that's big. People feel that because you maybe voted traditionally in one party that you can only be that party. I remember um, my dad in a couple elections ago used to always be a very staunch Republican voter, and he changed his mind and was impressed with Obama, so went that route the first time around Mm -hmm. that Obama ran. And it just goes to show, I think, that one of the biggest things I just wanted to touch on, because I agree with everything you guys are saying, but... I also like to watch, some of you guys have mentioned this, like listen to or watch actual debates or read how a person perceive, how you perceive them to be truthful. I think the power of TV or a visual of debates has completely changed the way that people people vote. I know um, we were discussing earlier, the first televised debate was between Nixon and mm-hmm. Kennedy. And Nixon, who up until that point had been kind of leading in the polls, lost after the visual of him. They saw him being nervous. They saw this young, hip Kennedy. Sweating. Uh, His uh, upper lip sweat was just really (laughs) distracting. But it's so true. Um, I was recently watching a documentary where they were interviewing Ted Kennedy when he announced that he was going to run for president. And the, the first interview that came out was they asked him, okay, well, why do you want to become president? And he fumbled it and bumbled it and kind of mummed it and it just made him look unprepared unsure even though he probably had a great stock answer or maybe you forgot I think it's interesting to see how people behave in debates and I think it's a great way I I know for me that's weirdly enough what what makes me Mm -hmm. vote for you the most is your performance in debates because there's so many ways to access candidates now Mm -hmm. that in 1960 when Kennedy and Nixon are debating that's the only way to see them mm-hmm. and so that could that ruined it for Nixon where now I'm not even sure a candidate could really ruin it for themselves which means I think it's a, maybe as important you know where when you fumble now like a president used to like check their watch and it would make news for weeks or they would stumble downstairs and they would make <laughs> news for months mm-hmm. uh, I think a candidate now has the leeway to make mistakes which means it's more important than ever that you can rule that stuff out and actually yes. have to get to the core of who the candidate is yes. and stop worrying about whether they've gone viral. <laughs> I did, um, or yeah, I mean, because so much of everything that they do is documented. Mm-hmm. I uh, did a little research study and wrote a paper in college about how people get their political information. And at the time, it was sort of like, knew, relatively knew, that people found information about candidates online. And the trend that I saw was that younger people got their information online and watched videos and listened to audio clips and read from online news sources and before, like older people um, still relied on newspapers and maybe to a lesser extent television. And I think now it's like all candidates all the time, all online, audio, video, text-based information. I mean, tweeting, geez, you you can, we learn so much more about our candidates um, and have access to them 24-7, it feels like. You mentioned earlier the political ads. How much, how much do those, uh, no, not at all. (laughs) They're fun, though. Sometimes they have the opposite effect of what they want. I was going to say, I think if you're almost like a smear campaign, that makes me not want to vote for you. Yeah, less is more. 
Yeah, like, don't tell me why I shouldn't vote for him. Now I'm, like, intrigued. I want to know, <laughs> why should I vote for you, sir? Can we do, like, an episode on, like, <laughs> political campaigns and, um... Inez says she's informed. <laughs> but did she really write that paper? Her voting record shows. <laughs> Speaking of voting records, do you have any other great, memorable voting moments? Because some of our audience out there are too young to vote or might be preparing to vote, and I want that to be a positive experience. Have you ever had, like, a whether it be funny or just, like, victorious, epic moment? Um, I, not a voting experience, but when I was at college, there was an election happening and I decided to go there. My college, if you go to college, it most likely, especially if you're in Ohio, there'll be a political candidate at your school at some point. <laughs> and I went to a rally for a candidate I didn't support, uh, just as someone who was naturally interested in history, I could be watching a person who could be the president. Uh, and so I went to it and, uh, it got very intense after the rally, meaning Whoa. Republicans and Democrats coming out pretty much onto the lawn outside of the arena and, like, <laughs> straight up what looks like there's going to be a fight facing each other. But, like, instead of fighting with fists or physically, verbal debate, <laughs> loud verbal debate. And uh, it was just an incredible experience as an American to kind of watch people intellectually challenge each other. Um that that was one of my favorite moments. Now I did not I did not participate myself, um, but uh, I I truly enjoyed watching those <laughs> who uh, participated in the debate. Um, Political Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I have I have two. Um, one, it's just like a nifty fact and something that I love that I um, lived in a state where there was a Democratic National Convention and got to participate mm. in that, and then also lived in a state with a Republican National Convention and in ways got to participate in that, and it was just cool to see two big hoopla hurrahs for both major political parties. Um, and then also in my household, it's a big deal. We take our kids when we vote and we talk politics at home. Um, I guess I felt deprived in my childhood that my parents didn't do that. But the last time that I voted, my uh, increasingly literate daughter just blurted out what I was voting for, who I was voting for, just yelled it. But it wasn't just about that candidate. It was like her disdain for the other candidate, which I feel, you know, she doesn't really know what she's talking about. So I felt a little guilty and cringed a little bit. But I also, like, laughed. And I got a lot of looks from everybody around me. But thanks for that, kid. How about you, uh, um, Winnie? I had an election where – and my palms are sweating just thinking of this because when I got up there, I – to that moment did not know who to vote for because I thoroughly disliked both candidates, which is an even more deflating experience. So I was going to write in a candidate, and I told my students, I try not to ever have my political views, but I was explaining to my students the day before about the fact that you could write in candidates. And I said, tomorrow I'm undecided. I might just decide to write somebody totally different in, and they didn't believe that you can actually do that. So I went into my little voting booth and I got to the point where I was like all right just pick somebody pick somebody and I was like oh I just want to write someone in because I don't like either one you know and I could not rest my head on my pillow at night voting for either so I wrote in um I wrote in Abraham Lincoln and then as his vice president I voted for um, Winfield Scott Hancock who is a civil war general and 
I was so satisfied with that that I wanted to take a picture. Well, you can't take pictures in elect <laughs> when you're voting in elections. So I was trying to sneak it in and pretend I was looking at my phone to look at the time. And this wonderfully mustachioed man in my county he had one of those really cool like handlebar waxed mustache man came over and was like, "What are you doing, ma'am?" And I was totally caught red-handed with my phone. I was like, "Oh, I, I'm I'm looking at the time, or whatever." And he's like, "Are you taking a picture?" I'm like, "Oh no, no," you know. And then I just got super embarrassed and and put my thing in and. <laughs> felt ashamed that I didn't get it. And then my, I felt bad because I felt the next day my students were like, did you, you didn't really do that. And I was like, did you get a picture of it? And I was like, no. Yeah. So I felt like the bad kid. That, <laughs> I felt like a rogue electoral so, voter. So don't bring your phone to vote. Don't bring your kids to vote. <laughs> bring, your kid, bring your kids to vote but anyway. But it's, it's kind of a very empowering feeling when you go in to vote. It and is. It's, but then and you get a sticker at the end of it. You, and some cookies if yeah. you're lucky, depending on yeah. where you are. But yeah. I also feel, do any of you guys ever feel like, I, I mean, slightly like embarrassed when you vote. Like I feel like they can they can see it on my face who I'm going to vote for. Or no, I don't care. Maybe I, it's just where I vote. People I are very. The, I wear the T-shirt into my. I mean, uh, I don't. Not where I. You're do not people. supposed to do that. No, you I know don't that? care. I, I am very much aware of it. Um, no, I'm very proud to vote. This morning I voted, and on my way out, I was very happy and saying have a good morning to everyone and everybody working there. I appreciate them, and uh, it's a very unique tradition. Uh, we, you know, the topic was electoral college, and even though that's strange, there's still a feeling of doing something that a lot of people wish they could do. Yeah, I think that's the one thing we can't forget, that not everybody in this great, wonderful world has the ability to vote like we do, and how awesome that our voice is heard. I think of all the people who died to get the right to vote, or to get me the right to vote, and all the struggles ahead of you. If you ever want a really good movie, I'm going to plug one. It's called Iron Jawed Angels. It's about the women suffragettes that came out in HBO. And I remember being in college and seeing that and being just like, man, I mean, I knew it was rough for women, but the things that women were willing to go through to get the right to vote and how they're one of the last groups of people to get the right to vote. And we're not talking by, like, a couple years after. It's not even we're about 100 years yet. Yeah, yeah, like, we're we're new to this thing. No. So you should always partake. Your voice is always heard. So young people get out there and vote, even if it's for something as small as your student council or if it's yeah. as big as the president. No vote is no vote is unimportant. Hmm? Even the ones you write in when they're dead presidents. <laughs> <laughs> Still counts. It doesn't though, not in Ohio. <laughs> in my heart it did. Though. That's good, that's good. I just want you to be happy Um well it was really fun talking about it yeah i hope you guys got a little something out of it whether it's electoral college the voting experience in america a little history um it's been fun to talk about and thanks for joining us on our special voting episode and we'll catch you next time